Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom. <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, that's good. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. Just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. All oh, the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Yep. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla 53. I'm here with Robert because Robert cares about the show. He's actually in studio. Tom, who doesn't care about the show, is where? I'm in Chicago, and I care about the show. I'm traveling the world trying to find Tesla stores for all of you people, I found one in Chicago, uh, the Grand Street showroom. It's lovely, although in a bit of irony, I was about to take a photo of it, had lovely sky behind it, and I pulled out my phone, and the battery died. Is that ironic? I think it uh, is. That is ironic, and I believe that there is a song about uh, that exact situation. Tom, 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 we just miss you. It's not the same energy when you're not in the room. You're just sort of a floating head out there on the Skype of us. I know, but uh, again, I have things I have to do. People to see, family to love, Mel. You wouldn't you wouldn't hold that against me, would you? Mel, Robert, Robert, Tesla I wouldn't, Nation, anyone? But, you know, I had all this stuff where we're going to intro the show and how it was all going to go, but then something happened. It happened to Robert, and it didn't happen to Mel and Tom. Robert, what <laughs> have you got that Tom. I don't have? I got a little message last night as I was sitting at my computer, diligently preparing for tonight's show, today's show, and bam, it said, update is available. And since they teased me last week, and they sent me an update is available, and I went out and I updated my car, and when I got back to the car, I think I sent you guys a picture, it said, uh, no significant changes. It was still a 7.1 something or another version. I imagine that has to do with the story that we're going to talk about a little later, the Chinese guys. But last night I got the the, the second update notice, and I went out there and I started it. I made a video. Um, maybe I was thinking of putting it on on. Um, we'll put it on the podcast, on the podcast, on the, uh, the YouTube Twitter. channel. Yeah, and uh, and sure enough, it updated. It didn't take very long, maybe forty five minutes or less. And when I came back out, bam! I had the new screen. It looks really nice. I actually like it a lot better than I actually saw a beta version. But this, I think it looks better. I think they actually tweaked it up nicer. And when you're driving, the thing that I like the best is that the map, uh, it, it, it doesn't expand, but all of the other stuff on the screen kind of bleeds away. And then it's just full screen map. So as you're driving, you get really the full benefit of the 17-inch touchscreen. And nice. uh, if you want to, like, zoom in or take away the traffic or make it, you know, satellite view versus map view, all you have to do is touch the screen and the, and the buttons pop up, and you can just play around with it. What else have you noticed, Robert? You said that the music player is also super sexual. Player, oh, my God. It is so much nicer. It is so much more like Apple uh, iTunes-like setup. You've got lots of little... Uh, pictures of the albums or the music types that you're listening to, it's much easier to navigate. So typically I would have to stop when 
I was driving to get like a, a, a music that I wanted. If I had a song in my head and I wanted to listen to it, I'd have to stop, pull over to be safe and like dick around with the search. You know, you got all these drop down menus that have expanding menus and it was just kind and of tabs and all that other stuff. Yeah, it like just sucked. Crazy. It looked like it was made by somebody who's a great programmer, but not a great user interface designer. Yeah. And so now it looks yeah. so much better. And in fact, I was so excited because I watched uh, one of the videos by, uh, I think it was Black Tesla, who uh, we're going to talk about a little later. He went through the whole five minutes worth of uh, media user interface. And I noticed in there, it said, like, search for anything, search for podcasts. And I thought, oh, I'm going to put Talking Tesla right on my Tesla. So after the update, I went right back outside. I made another video. I went to the search. I found uh, other great podcasts. But when I went to search for Talking Tesla, it said no results. Yeah, you've got to get your podcast feed onto whatever one they're using. And uh, we've got it on Stitcher. We've got it on a couple of things. I don't know if they have iHeartRadio. We're on there. I've got to find out exactly what it's on. And put an application in to get on that because it drives me crazy that I'm in my Tesla and I can't listen to talking tune Tesla. Tune in radio. Is it tune in? Is. Yeah. All right. Well, tune we'll keep in and, and Slacker too, no? Yeah. Slacker. Yeah. And t Slacker for sure. Tune in. So we'll keep working on that. It's not as easy as one would do. Uh, we have failed hope. talking Tesla nation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what else have you noticed? So you like the maps. You like the media player. You have an older Tesla, so you don't have autopilot. Well, I was still sort of living in this hallucinogenic fantasy that I would come out and I would <laughs> finally see that my car could drive itself. But of course, no, nothing in the center of my uh, above the steering wheel screen has changed whatsoever. It did take away, however, the name of the car. You know, there was a time when you could name your car. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. And in, in fact, if you put in funny things to name your car, like 42. Uh -huh. Yeah. So my car was named Life, uh, the Universe, and Everything. And that's gone. It's gone? I've in lost eight? that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you do choose to update, you are going to. No, lose I'm not going to update then. Unless I can, I didn't find it, but I switched. I went through all the menus, and the menus don't look too different for me. There is, for me, older Tesla, the opportunity to set this air conditioning or climate protection mode where, you know, if you happen to leave your favorite loved one in the car, be they old, young, or other species, the uh, <laughs> car will protect them and it will turn on the air conditioning before the temperature hits 105. And I believe it'll turn on the heater if it gets really low. So I turned that on. Um, but really for me, there's not a whole lot of change. The user interface, better. The screen, better. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to playing with it some more and, and finally getting talking Tesla on the car. Why does uh, Elon hate me so much that uh, I have an S, I have an X, the X has uh, you know, all it needs for autonomous driving, and yet I don't get it. What did I say to Elon? That stopped them pushing the software to my address. Can I, I, can I just quote I you? Fucking falcon wing doors. Did I say that <laughs> one too many times? Maybe, maybe. I, I woke up this morning with a uh, software update identifier on my phone as well, but I don't know whether or not it's the the one that Robert got last week or the new one because I'm here and it doesn't tell you on your phone what update it is. So tell him, I wonder, if you were traveling like you do 
often, too often, and your phone, you, you were nearer to your car, and your car had autopilot, and you couldn't install the update unless you were in your car. Would you actually summon your car to you to do an update? Well, my car doesn't have autopilot, but yes, if I could summon my car to me, it would be driving towards me right this moment. How much less would we use Southwest Airlines? How far would you go in your, talking, in your, uh, in your autonomous Tesla instead of getting on an airplane? I don't think I would drive across country. I still don't because it would, you know, there's Vegas. time issues. I'm trying to maximize my time with the family. Las Vegas. Oh, for sure, Las Vegas. So. San, actually on San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. On that point, actually, remember back in the day we interviewed uh, Tesla Loop, which was the 16 year old kid that talked his dad into buying him a Tesla, and then they were going to use it to sort of shuffle people who didn't like to fly between Vegas and L.A. And I went back on the site last night to say to wonder, you know, wonder if that's still going. And it turns yep. out they're still going. They've expanded. They're starting to go to more cities. And uh, they're using a lot of X's. And so we'll have to re-interview them and see uh, whether autopilot has really changed their model, which they'd hoped that it would. Very interesting. Yeah, I saw the test loop car, or one of them. What is this? This was at the Culver City Supercharger. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't find the date on it, but I believe it was on Thursday night when I dropped my son off at the airport. Yeah, that's the pickup spot is in Culver City, right, to get to Vegas. That was like their centrally located They've got a number now. One. They've got one out here in West Hill. So they've, they're really expanding. And the cost – so this is, I think, for people who don't want to fly for some reason. Maybe they're anxious about it or they want to get some work done. So the cost to have a seat in an X to go to Vegas from L.A., 60 bucks. I think that's pretty damn good. And yeah, they, no, that's awesome. They charge for free. They sort of drive to Barstow and charge up. And uh, and so it's a pretty good business model for them. I'm not sure how Elon feels about the fact that uh, somebody's got a taxi service that's using the supercharger network, but I love it. I love it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to do a letter um, as we get sort of going here. And it's from it's Brian Anderson. kind of out of order, don't you think? It's very out of order, but I just really think it needs to be addressed up front. So... Uh, Brian Anderson, uh, we'll call him Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> uh, is, the subject is power versus energy, uh, several uh, simple energy, uh, memory tricks. It is painful, Brian says, to hear Mel continuing to struggle <laughs> with the concepts of power and energy. He clearly is an intelligent guy. Thank you, Brian. Who has clearly who really, Brian? shouldn't have to struggle with this every week before millions of talking Tesla fans. Millions, really? When the concepts are central to the subject matter of the podcast. Here are a couple of additional memory joggers to potentially cement the definitions in your stupid Australian brain. The only difference he between He didn't say no, that. No, he didn't say that. The only difference between power and energy is time. Specifically, energy, i.e. kilowatt hours, is power, i.e. kilowatts, delivered over the same period. And then he says, stop reading there or you can go on do more math. You know what I did? I stopped reading there. So why <laughs> do I get all the blame? Because we've all struggled with this, and it's clear that when we started this podcast that we would blame Tom for everything bad, we would blame Mel for everything good, but we have not yet decided on what to blame on Robert. But I'm just saying, it's not fair that I get... Um, is it because I'm Australian? Uh, Brian, are you racist against Australians? No, basically I what think... he's telling you is, you're a plague and we are the cure. <laughs> you're a virus. just because you constantly make sure everyone knows you don't understand it and me and Robert are smart enough to not understand it in silence. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although now I do understand it because he wrote a lot of good information in his letter. And that's not to say we're not going to mix kilowatt hours with kilowatts. And then somebody, I don't know, I think it may have actually been Brian as well in his letter, brought up some other thing about megajoules or something like that. Yeah, we're so. going to get to that. That's a letter from John from Australia who says, the reason you're getting it wrong, thank you, John, is that it's a really stupid way of doing the nomenclature. We'll get to it in a little while. <laughs> At least he didn't use uh, British thermal units. Thank you. Australians to the rescue. Okay, so uh, back to the show. Um, test the Model 8 updates we just heard from Robert. So there's a number of uh, videos out there right now. Uh, I went to teslarati.com. We love those guys. Um, and they uh, posted a couple of videos from this uh, YouTuber called Tesla Black with some nice reviews. And uh, we'll add our own to that. But I, my first impressions were the same thing. I like the interface. I like flat sort of uh, iOS 10 like interfaces the media center looked like it was way easier to use and then he did some autopilot stuff and this is where I think it gets really interesting and I'd hoped uh, beyond hope that I would have my update so that I could uh, make some videos and talk to you about it on the X where I actually have autopilot um, hardware but it really seems like this change to a radar based more than optical based really is a huge step in uh, autonomous driving because uh, black Tesla shows that it could not only see the car in front of the car in front of you, but sometimes the car in front of that car and cars to the side. And it really does appear that at least the car is seeing a whole bunch more stuff than it could before. And if the software gets cranked up with the millions of miles of driving that's occurring per day, then this could really be significantly safer than the current autopilot um, sort of software. So I think this could be a major upgrade, but we won't really know until there are many millions of miles driven and the software starts to get smarter and smarter and take over the universe. But the real question, I guess, at the end of the day is what are they on the path to full autonomy everywhere in the cities making right turns making left turns or are they really just focusing on that long haul aspect because right now do we know in this upgrade if the car will make a right turn on it like if you plug in the address that you want to go in will the car take you there without you controlling it it will not i don't believe it will it will only do it on the highways and it will now go as far as taking you onto the exit ramp so that's a change Yeah, so it's still a level two. It's not going to take you from point A to point B. You still have to be in charge. It's still just a sort of enhanced, going to help you out on the freeway. It will now take you off uh, the freeway when you put your indicator on. I actually had a false positive last night, so I'm in the right-hand lane of the freeway, and it's not supposed to take you off the freeway down the the off-ramp. It's supposed to continue past them, but... I thought they fixed this in a software update, but there I am in the X, and uh, it starts to take off down the off-ramp. I'm like, no, no, so I had to take over. (laughs) It's supposed to fix that kind of thing, and then the way you get off the off-ramp is you just put your indicator on when you get close to it, and it'll follow the line. So You're saying with 8.0, it will do that. With 8.0, right now, you don't have 8.0, so that's why it wasn't working right. Well, in the current software, it's not supposed to take you off the freeway if you don't want to, but this last night? Just said, no, I like that line better than the line that's straight ahead, so we'll go off the freeway. Wah! And that's why you still need to be, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I don't care whether it's 8.0 or 9.0, you still need to be in charge. You still need to be awake. This should improve the safety if you're still there watching. Do not do what people have done, which is, you know, have this car completely take over. But I'm very excited about the improvements, and I cannot wait to have three cameras and more radar 
uh, so that it can do level four. And watching Tesla Black's or Black Tesla's uh, video of him driving on the road at at one point towards the end of the video, it a little green uh, bar comes up at the bottom of the screen that's above the steering wheel that says, uh, touch the wheel now or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do it. He just keeps talking. And maybe he's distracted because he's actually filming a video. And so it flashes again. And then all of a sudden, all around the outer part of the screen, this white light bright white light starts flashing as if there were lights behind that screen. I thought it was really cool. And it got my attention. I was like, oh, shit, what's that? And then he touches the wheel and it all goes away. Yeah, the uh, one of the things that has been criticized about autopilot is it's not wasn't clear enough when it's on, when it turns off. And they've done a lot of stuff with that heads-up display to make it much more obvious when the car is driving and when you're driving, when it's turning off. So I think that's a really important update because I've definitely found that a lot. Um, I'd be driving along and I maybe just pulled the steering wheel a little bit too much and I didn't realize I'd turned off the auto steering. But I think maybe what happened to you on the freeway is if you were in the right-hand turn lane, at some point you sort of lose the right-hand line, right? It goes away. Yep. And, and so the car probably was like, oh, I'm going to find that right-hand line, and that right-hand line took you off the freeway, you know, like that sort of – it wasn't – maybe the left-hand line wasn't quite as, as painted or something like that. And I do wonder in situations where they're – like you get down a road that the Tesla's familiar with, but they just repaved it and haven't painted it yet – like what happens, what's going to happen in those kinds of situations? Like that's going to be uh, you know, challenging. Will they be able to use GPS to keep the car sort of where it remembers it should be? So uh, this all just leads me to the fact or the feeling that I really appreciate Tesla Motors. I really appreciate them working to push us, not push us, but actually like propel us to the future as compared to all the other car manufacturers who are just seemingly – you know, going slow and methodical, but not in a way that really helps or excites me. I think people are now starting to get on board. And it's a remarkable, again, let's just remind ourselves that Robert woke up this morning and had a substantial upgrade to his car that costs no money that occurred over the air just by pushing bits. This is the way cars will be in the future. Tesla is clearly way ahead, but there will be a trickle-down phenomenon. You'll see every other car manufacturer doing this. It's pretty exciting that you can just have this free update and have brand-new special features in your car. It's, it's a brave and wonderful, exciting era in automotive technology. But it does come with some downsides. So uh, do you want to tell us about what uh, somebody did to their uh, Tesla? Somebody hacked a Tesla? Yeah, so I got a notice. Uh, I'm not sure from who, but I followed a link to a Chinese website. All of the all of the documentation was written in Chinese. It's just Chinese to me because I don't read Chinese. But I managed to figure out how to get to their uh, video, which was down a ways. And I started watching this video of these two guys uh, from this organization called Keen. And I believe it's an IT firm in China. I don't remember exactly the city, but bottom line is they figured out a way to hack a Tesla. So if, for example, you were uh, in your car, they were not at all connected with you, but they had web-connected laptop, they could hack into your Tesla once you brought up the browser. So as soon as the browser connects with the 3G network, they could somehow detect a signal and log into your car. And then what they proceeded to show on the video was that they could control all the things you can control with your 
remote control. So if you actually, uh, you know, there's the Tesla app on your phone and you can do some limited things with it, but there's actually another Tesla app called remote S, which is a lot of fun to play with. I think you pay 10 bucks for it, but it'll show you all kinds of things of your car. And the reason I have it is because it allows you to act like if you, for example, forget your keys and I know none of us in this room have ever forgotten <laughs> the keys to our car. No, no. Yeah. So with this remote, you can actually start and stop your car. And so I'll use this app, the remote S. If, for example, I've got somebody coming out to wash my car, had somebody at work the other day come out, washed a bunch of the nurses' cars, washed my car. It was great. But I kind of wanted to have the opportunity that if somebody said, hey, he's driving off with your car, to push a button and say off and shut the car off. And so in valet mode, you can do that. It's a nice little feature. Back to the story. Uh, These guys could then basically do all the things that you could do in the remote S website, start and stop the car. Well, what they demonstrated was folding the mirrors while the car was driving, opening the rear hatch while the car was driving, applying the brakes. So they were driving in a parking lot, safe conditions for three guys in the car. All of a sudden, bam, from remote. In other words, the guy who's sitting in the car, who's the hacker, calls a, another guy in their office like 12 or 15 miles away and says in Chinese, you know, apply the brakes now. And bam, like about, I don't know, 12 seconds later, the whole car just stops dead. Tom. But that's not something you can do with remote S. That's a that's a beyond hacking feature that they've gotten into some other systems. I, I'm assuming the emergency braking or the autopilot of that particular car. So that actually goes well above and beyond just like, some minor opening the doors, unlocking the doors, opening the, you know, they, they show opening the sunroof and all those things. And then again, like, I don't think you can really, you must be able to open the hatch while you're driving, but they've gone well beyond that to have the actual control of the car. I actually don't think you can open the hatch while you're driving. And I don't, that's another big hack then. Yeah, exactly. So they're basically bigger things than you're talking about with remote S control. They've gone well beyond that. But the bottom line is, is they had sent all this information with the video to Tesla ahead of time. And then Tesla quickly turned around and that was the patch that I saw on Thursday night. That was that 7.1 last update before the big 8.0 rollout. So I can just imagine being one of the engineers at Tesla on the uh, operating system, getting this just before a big rollout. They're probably uh, needing a few days to catch up on sleep. This is the uh, kind of stuff that scares people to death, that these fully autonomous cars are going to be able to be hacked by third parties, and these are nice third parties, but it could have been a bad third party, that they will be able to shut down com- you know, entire cities and maybe countries and, like, none of your autonomous vehicles are going to work. It's the kind of stuff that freaks Elon out about machine learning and artificial intelligence. Imagine if somebody gets way ahead of everybody else with their artificial intelligence, and let's say it's a bad uh, dictator that says, why don't we shut down every car in the United States? And while we're trying to fix that, you destroy the economy. So this is a of concern to lots of people. It's part of the open AI project that Elon's involved with. Don't let anybody get too far ahead. But the horse has left the barn. I mean, right now, uh, it's whether it's your phone, whether it's your nuclear power station, whether it's your car, there are people who are able to do this. And the US government has actually done this to other countries already. Sucksnet. So uh, it's concerning. It, as you get deeper into this, you see why Elon is so anxious and you become a bigger supporter of, yes, we need open AI so nobody gets too far ahead here. But the cool thing about it is that Elon invites 
hackers. And he, you know, at one time did hacking or at least participated himself. And so he uh, has an active what they call bug bounty program. And so these guys at Keen are getting a cash reward. And, and I'm wondering if I'm going to get to see them at any one of the next Tesla events so we could uh, interview them for Talking Tesla. Now, the problem with these cash rewards, you need to understand how that works. So you find a bug and they um, say, well, here's 100 grand for you um, finding that bug. So then what happens is an industry develops. All these hackers get together. They start these companies and they try and hack the crap out of your phone or try and hack the crap out of your Tesla. And then they get paid for that. The problem that people have extrapolated from this is who's got the most money? Governments. So you find a really critical hack for your iPhone or your Tesla, and then you say, uh, Tesla, how much are you going to give me for that? And Tesla says 100 grand. They're like, all right. They go to the Chinese government. The Chinese government says, we'll give you $3 billion for that. Okay, I'm going to sell it to you guys. So (laughs) there's real concern with these uh, paying bounty for hackers because in a, a model of capitalism, he with the most cash will get the most hacks, and it's really concerning. So we still really are reliant on these companies to not sell them to bad players. Yeah, but then they well, wouldn't get invited to any of the Tesla events. Right, but one thing doesn't preclude the other, right? Like there's never going to be – just because a company is giving out money – let's say Tesla didn't have bounty cash. There's still going to be governments, potential buyers for these hackers. So that's not – I mean, I don't think one thing is begetting the other thing. My guess is if people want to hack, people hack for fun, have always hacked for fun without money in the past. A lot of those hackers became like security consultants for a lot of these companies and things like that. So there is always an end game. But I mean, you know, hacking is a, is a part of the world. Anything forever, 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 people are going to be hacking into things. You know, we're hacking into to other governments things other governments are trying to hack into our things it's just you know it's part of the fun of uh, not getting along <laughs> it could be the quest uh, the quest integrity group does a hack now who is this quest integrity group they have integrity in their name so they must be full of integrity yeah evidently and we'll call him out tom katz their chief financial officer of the quest integrity group now this already todd todd katz not todd. tom tom How dare no. you tom <laughs> all todd. bad people are named tom <laughs> how dare you tom katz uh got it into his head i don't know how much scotch this guy had had drunk or maybe his his uh maybe his absinthe maybe that's why he was acting so bizarrely i don't want to add to his defense but basically he sends an email to the i believe it was to the cfo of tesla at around the last uh earnings call that said why why are you so cautious with Q34 GM guidance on call? It's full of all of these like little abbreviations, but you can basically make out that he's asking for insider information and he signs this thing EM and it's from a Yahoo account that's like uh, Elon at Tesla or Tesla at Elon, obviously trying to, in a really dumbass way, try to figure out, you know, what's going on behind the scenes at Tesla. And now... He's uh, being sued. Now, you uh, left out the part where, who is this guy? This guy is the chief financial officer of an oil pipeline firm. Right, oil pipeline firm. Not at all. You know, obviously, he's long Tesla. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's not looking to help Tesla out. So uh, it's very uh, interesting because it's so stupid. Yeah, it really is. And like... Like you're you're writing to an organization full of people who are really savvy about internet programming, and do you not think they could cipher who sent this thing? 
Uh, oil execs. I think it's all the uh, toxins that they're surrounded by all day that have made them <laughs> so, rather silly. They're out there. They're panicking. They're panicking. They're trying to figure out how to how to figure out how to keep their lives for the next ten thousand years, and it's not happening for them. OPEC yeah. actually came out a couple of weeks ago with how much oil they're going to use in the next ten years, in the next twenty years, and uh, they said um, officially that they're not worried about electric cars. That electric cars are not going to be a problem. We're still going to burn all the oil. And I thought to myself, Oh my God! I hope you are so wrong. I guess they have to say that, they or to. they'll uh, crash the markets. They're OPEC, but uh, they're as threatened as like. You know, truck drivers. But, you know, what do you, if we burn all the oil that's in the ground, we will be Venus. Hello? No, there is no global warming, and <laughs> the Earth is flat. Oh, by the way, uh, tonight, well, it's already over by now, but uh, yes. are we all going to be watching the end of Western civilization as we know it tonight on TV? I'm going to wear my hat. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's a little thing called a debate tonight. Uh, you'll be listening to this after the debate. God help us all. Um, autonomous driving. So uh, the LA Times has a nice article here which talks about uh, autonomous driving. And we we talk about it a lot, but this was about autonomous trucks. And I didn't realize what a big deal autonomous trucks could have in this country. Of course, we want to have safer cars. We want to have safer trucks. But I didn't realize that there is a lot of people involved in the trucking industry, millions of people. It's actually one of the best-paying blue-collar jobs, $700 billion industry. And there's a real push to get autonomous trucks. And some people believe that that's going to occur well before autonomous cars, although I'm not clear why. And this could have a substantial effect on uh, blue-collar jobs in this country. And it can also, the upsides, though, is it could make it a lot safer. Trucks are involved in a lot of accidents. They do a lot of miles. Cut down on traffic. Cut down on traffic because then you can have the trucks drive a a lot more frequently at times when truck drivers don't want to drive in the middle of the night. yes. And you can have bigger, massive trucks. Like in Australia, for example, I have these things called road trains, which is like a semi-trailer pulling three or four trailers with these massive trucks. And you can significantly reduce the amount of gas that you do because you're basically slipstreaming one truck behind another. So there's a lot of upsides to have like autonomous Mad trucks. Max? That's how they did it in exactly. Mad Max. Exactly. And you can't stop these things once they're going at full speed. There's no stopping them. But there is a real downside to this, and it just sort of raises the question. There was, for every upside, there's a downside. And one of the people that are really going to be affected by this, if this really gets moving, is long-haul truckers, which... Uh, there are so many, I didn't realize that there are, I think, 1.7 million long road, tr- long haul truckers in the United States. Right. So if you look at the sort of, and we hate to use this word, the level of disruption that's happening with autonomy, there's 1.7 million truckers and another 1.7 million drivers of taxis, buses, and delivery vehicles. So that compares with the fact that there are about 4 million construction workers in the world, in, in America. So 3.4 a million drivers, 4.1 million construction workers. So it's a big thing. And the reason that the trucking companies are pushing for this is because of that $700 billion, about a third of it goes to salaries. Now, if you read this article in depth and you do a little bit more research, what you see is like they're – they may not necessarily be getting rid of the truckers completely. They may be reducing the amount of truckers needed. Like so – the trucks would really just go on the highways and then they would pull off to the side of the road when they got to the cities. There'd be like pickup and drop off locations because there's a lot of very fine uh, moves that like truckers have to do. I've seen some truckers do some amazing like maneuvers into things. And that's not to say computers couldn't eventually do that. But if you read this article, it talks about there being these like pickup and drop off locations. There's also a whole bunch 
of technology that's like one trucker will drive the lead truck and the back truck will be fully like fly by wire and do exactly what that front truck does. So the driver could technically be bringing twice as much goods. And then if you dig even deeper where this, where a lot of this stuff is already being implemented is in farming. There's all kinds of autonomous tractors that you can like basically program to your field and either you can have this autonomous tractor. If you have two identical fields right next to each other, you can drive one in the pattern and the and the autonomous tractor in the field over will do the exact same pattern while you're doing it. So there's a lot of I mean imagine like the farming industry being disrupted, the trucking industry being disrupted. So like I would not want to be going to the Debbie Dutson School of Driving at any time now. That's for damn What is the Debbie Dutson School of Driving? When I was a kid, there were always these these commercials on really late at night, and it was like, I'm Debbie Dutson, and it was like a truck driving school where you went and you got, you know, you learned how to drive a big rig, and you drove around. But, I mean, that's probably a very bad reference we should probably take out of the show. <laughs> no. 10-4, good buddy, 10-4. All right, so. Uh, but another thing that I wanted to talk about, autonomous driving, I apologize, is that we always talk about, like, the drive from L.A. to San Francisco. Like, we're, we're very West Coast-oriented, but, like, the East Coast corridors from, like, Philadelphia to New York and all those other places are also big, big-time heavy-trafficked areas with lots of ports and things like that. So, again, this autonomous trucking thing is really moving forward. And as of right now, there are trucks. There is an autonomous big rig being driven on the 101, like for testing, as as we speak right now. We covered that, right? Auto, and auto's now yeah. been acquired by Uber. So this is right. thing. This thing is going nuclear. And now, what I wonder about is when will we see autonomous buses, which will basically like challenge the train system. And so, would you get on a Greyhound bus right now? I don't trust the Greyhound bus drivers very much. I've been in three. Uh, bus crashes in my lifetime. Thankfully, wow. not recently. But uh, I might actually trust the autonomous bus more, although I don't think general pop population feels that way yet. Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's talk about solar and renewables. We've got a number of different uh, articles here that I find absolutely fascinating. We've said that solar is plummeting in cost, uh, but also some of these installations are skyrocketing inside. So this is from Bloomberg. Bloomberg. So this is what we believe to be the world's largest solar installation at a size of 7,000 East Coast city blocks or 4,600 hectares or 46 square kilometers. Is that right? That is correct. I did the math. Oh, my gosh. So Manhattan is 59 square kilometers. The Magic Kingdom, you said here in Walt Disney, is 43 hectares. Um, so 103 kilometers square. What? 106 Magic Kingdoms would fit in this. This is a $2.3 billion um, installation with two gigawatts of capacity, six million panels. So it should be enough to produce energy for 1.5 million homes. This thing is Big, baby. Large. I, I wondered, you know, it says how much energy it's going to put out in a year. 2.73 billion kilowatt hours. That would be enough to fill up 32,000, more than 32,000 of my car. That, it is just stunning how big this thing is. And if we go to the next article, which is from Think Progress. And so this is from Abu Dhabi, which is obviously a very oil-rich company. They are putting in Our an country country yeah they are putting in a state electric uh, plant which is 350 megawatts of solar 
at a cost of 2.42 cents per kilowatt hour. Oh my word. Just a five minutes ago, we were talking about installations at four cents, and now they're at 2.4 cents. Say so what? Right. So again, this isn't necessarily a state installation. This was the an RFP, a request for a proposal from the state utility to a private company. How much can you provide this power for? And the bid was at 2.42 cents a kilowatt hour. Holy crap, that is super cheap. And now I added a little piece about this, which because you wrote on the bottom, now it's all about the storage, right? And let's say at some point we can get our kilowatt hour, you know, down to 2.4 cents and we have Tesla Powerwall storage. Like right now, the DWP charges about 14 cents at the cheapest for its kilowatt app per kilowatt hour. So if you can get it for two cents and store it for Tesla Powerwall, and there's there's a thing on here that says you can be as cheap as 12 cents, you're almost breaking even on some level. So there is there feels like we're getting to a point tipping where point. this like this tipping point of production and storage. And obviously, you're not going to get 2.42 cents on your roof. But if the DWP could do an RFP and get their power cost down to 2.4 cents, who's to say they couldn't cut their fees in half to us? So, again, lots of interesting stuff. You're talking about an organized utility in the United States cutting costs to its customers? What are you smoking in Chicago, Tom? Right, but the DWP is 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 us, right? It's us. We we run the DWP on some. Well, they've they've got it into us, but I don't really think they are us. I think they're using the money to do all kinds of other un, unwise things. But what I was going to say is that two point four cents. We are not going to see that anytime soon for us. It it's great that it's working, but number one, they're using. Uh, I I. I kind of did a little research. They're using like the inexpensive Chinese panels. They're only like 15% efficient, which is at least 25% below the type of panels we're buying for our homes here in the United States at around 20 or 22% efficient. And they don't have the building codes to deal with. Um, it's done. It's a massive, massive build out. So they don't have, you know, they have the quantities. What is it? The, uh, the scale Savings, the savings, economies of scale, economies of scale. Thank you, Tom. I'm having a little, little brain fart there, and so, uh, but it's wonderful. And and on a large, on a large basis. So if you live in like, I don't know, I lived in San Francisco. The house I lived in uh, was I could almost reach from one wall on one side to the wall on the other side. Not actually, but it was like an 18 foot wide building and it was really tall and it went all the way back. And if you looked at the roof with all the vents and all the shit up there, there's no way you could install any number of panels to make a difference, which we have another story about. But uh, you could put up a big system like this in the neighborhood and then just feed all the houses. And and if you covered a hillside or you covered a, you know, a big parking lot with the panels, that makes this even you know people need to keep thinking out of the box uh, how can we get ourselves off fossil fuels and stop pumping carbon into the atmosphere so you uh, just talked about it in our next article which is about residential solar panels 
possibly becoming twice as efficient. Now, we've heard this for a long time, and solar panels have slowly crept up over time. The first set of panels that were put on the White House back in the 70s by Jimmy Carter were incredibly inefficient. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like 4 or 7% efficiency. We're now up to the really good panels of around uh, 22%. Supposedly, the panels that they use up in space are 44%. There's this company called Insolite, which says that they've got their we, panels. We own no stock in this company. We own no stock, up to about 36%. But the way they do this, it appears, because these are not actually on market yet, the way they seem to do this is through some form of concentrated solar. But I wanted to bring this up because I think it's really important that uh, we continue to sort of follow if you can get more and more efficiency in the panels and you need less panels. And I'll use my house as an example. Again, I have a lot of panels, uh, but I use a lot of energy with two electric cars and a big house. And in the summer, I can do 100%. But in the winter, because of the way there's shading and because of where the sun sort of disappears to, I can't. And so the only way for me to do 100% would be to have panels which were significantly more um, efficient because I've filled up all the spots that I can. So more efficiency is good because then you have less land area that you have to cover. So I want to see a panel that is twice as efficient. That would be sweet. And on that note, there's another article here from the Good News Network, which says there's this company that is now linking solar panels with smart grid technologies and storage. Again, this is called SolPad, and they're not coming to market until next year. But the idea is that you have your solar panel and your battery on the solar panel and some smart technology so you can sort of tap on your panel and say, hey, you're doing And the panel says, I'm doing really great. My efficiency good and the battery's half full. How you would actually use this in a home situation, I'm not sure. But again, we're noting that this home storage linked with panels may be the way forward. And I think the big utilities are going to be being anxious because if the price of storage keeps going down, particularly with a gigafactory, then millions of people might just go off-grid. And that could be a big issue for them. How are they going to make some cash to keep the grid going? And the other interesting thing about these panels is the technology that they're trying to put into them for the battery storage is solid state as opposed to with the you know the way that all the car batteries are being made. So it's not the solid-state batteries, much more efficient, much more stable, harder to get energy into – uh, but once the energy's in there, it's it's very very efficiently stored and distributed. So uh, something to look for with these guys is the solid state battery technology, along with those uh, ultra capacitors, which can hold a lot of energy and discharge a lot of energy quickly. And I know Elon sort of gave up with that because that was his focus back at Stanford. But uh, I don't know. Breakthroughs come through so unexpectedly and often that it's rather optimistic. So I want to do a couple of articles here about uh, companies and renewable energy. So it's gone from uh, you're just sort of a green loser uh, putting solar panels up to big companies, gigantic companies, realizing it's not only good for business. It's actually cheaper to have renewable energy. And as we've seen of the solar panels, the price is coming down. So we've got an article here from Fortune said that Amazon is building a 253-megawatt facility in Texas, of all places, because Amazon is committed to being 100% clean energy. And then we have an article from General Motors. that's wind energy. That's wind energy. Wind energy. So so Jeff Bezos is not – no, is no longer the having the small phallus and not full of hot air. So he's in, he's using it. He's using his hot air to uh, to spin the turbines at Amazon. And General Motors says that they 
a vow to have uh, entirely renewable energy by 2050, which let me go through the details here and then 50. Yeah, exactly. Are we going to be alive? <laughs> no, we're not. Come, uh, there's a couple of really interesting things from this uh, independent article, which is a UK news service. So they run 350 operations across the globe, and That's they're trying. General try- Motors, General does. Motors yeah. does, and they're trying to become 100 percent, you know, renewable energy by 2050. They consumed nine terawatt hours last year, and I was trying to look oh. up. That is a huge amount of energy. The entire world uses about 20 to 25 terawatt hours per year. So a lot of people came out and said, like, this is all very nice and this is all very good, but where's your commitment to making sure that all those cars you produce? Hold on a second. Yeah, really. How can those numbers be correct? So GM is using a third of the no, entire no, no. world's energy no, usage? No, they, they, they have nine terawatts. The entire world uses 20 to 25,000 terawatts. Oh, uh, you said 25 terawatts. You scared no, not, me. No, not 25. No, that's what I read first. I'm like, oh, my God, GM's huge. <laughs> So the criticism of this is that it's way too late, 2050. Come on, let's get a little aggressive about this. That's ridiculous. They'll be spending money at that point just moving their factories to places that have not flooded or washed away. Is that another – a number of people who are you know fairly critical of this said that's another way of saying we don't really plan on becoming fully renewable. You just say way, way in the future we will be. Um, so that's not really a commitment. And there was no commitment there about – and all of our cars are going to be 100% electric or 100% uh, pure gold and sweet. So this was really criticized after you initially read it as, oh, this is all good to uh, maybe this is just all BS. Was there any kind of timeline about like by 10 to 2010, 25%? Like did they give sort of benchmarks uh, as part of this or was it like we're just going to – it's all or nothing at 2050? Yeah, basically. like uh, 2049, we're using coal and small babies. <laughs> but by 2050, all renewable baby. Yeah, this sounds and like a, com- a complete commitment by the PR department but no one yeah. else. <laughs> And, and it's interesting because, like, GM, again, they make the Volt, they made the Volt, two potentially very popular cars, but they refused to build a charging network behind it, which would go a very long way in helping the other half of their problem. Like, let's say GM is completely, uh, you know, renewable energy for their manufacturing and production, but they still don't have a decent electric car at that point. You know, they're still pumping all kinds of shit into the environment in their cars. Well, they won't be selling cars uh, in Germany, right? So Germany said that they want to go off petrol. I believe, uh, was it Sweden that said the same thing? So, and this is early in the process. Who knows by this time next year, how many countries will have a commitment and an end date for gasoline powered cars. You know, GM is going to go kicking and screaming into the sunset. Well, before we get to the wave power generator, I just want to say this last thing because this, you know, we have, uh, I think, 10,000 or more people listen to this podcast now, which is just stunning to me. It's growing very well. Thank you all for listening. Um, and probably many of the people listening are captains of industry. And I read these shows, these things about how Apple is becoming 100% renewable and Amazon wants to do the same thing. And maybe even GM will get its act together one day that's before 2050. And then I realized, you know, I own a company. And where's my commitment? Where, where have I written on the website what my plan is? And so it's sort of been in my head that I've been doing it. But this is sort of a shout out to all of those business owners. Let's get our act together, whether you're a small business like me, which has, you know, five or 10 people that work for it, or whether you're have somebody that has 100,000 employees, 
we should formulate this. You should write down how you're going to do it. And I'm actually going to do a podcast, maybe we do it here on Talking Tesla, where I'm going to go through the math of how you would do this, how you can implement, how you can get all of your uh, employees to hop on board, maybe to get them all electric cars and give them incentives. I think that this was, for me, a wake-up call. I'm like, oh, that's right. I own a company too, and it should be my commitment. I shouldn't just be waiting for Apple and everybody else. So I'm going to do that, and we'll try and make it interesting for you. And now let's talk about— Do you take credit for me having an EV too, even though I'm not yeah, an employee? Yeah, I made yeah. Robert get that, even though he bought it a year before uh, he started talking to <laughs> maybe three years before. So uh, let's talk about wave power then. I got one more thing. Yeah. How about this? You know, the people who listen to Talking Tesla, as well as the three of us— we use ride-sharing organizations, right? Lyft, Uber. How about we all make uh, a shout-out to those organizations? Hey, when I use your service, I want to use it with an electric car, period. And push them to incentivize or promote the use of electric cars for ride-sharing. You know, we have a letter coming up um, about a gentleman who is a listener who drives a Tesla for Uber and how that it's actually financially reasonably viable. But, you know, that's one thing that I really don't do. When I go on my Uber app, which I do pretty frequently, I don't go for, uh, do you have a Tesla that will pick me up with an electric car? I go for the cheapest damn thing I can find. Um, so maybe I need to start questioning my motives there and ask, but is there Teslas around there? Can they take me? Should I be spending more money on that the answer to that is yes but that goes back to what electric cars are really available in the uber model as we know not too many cars except for the tesla can quick charge not too many cars have long range so you can get into some situations where like you could make a trip back and forth from lax right to pick a guy up and then you're done like you don't have you have two or three four hours where you have to recharge your car if you only have 100 miles range and slow charging so that's the big reason why there aren't a lot of them my guess is it's got to be less than 0.10 hundredth of a percent of people driving teslas for uber at least right now so the cars aren't available model three will change that so and i assume once those come and the bolt comes then we're going to see a little bit more electrification of the ride-sharing services. And that's exactly what we should say to people like Uber and Lyft. And maybe if Uber says to Ford or to uh, GM, hey, that Bolt's really nice and we'd like to promote the use of the Bolt, but put some effing CCS chargers around these areas. You, GM, put them in and let us use them and let the public use them. Let's just push the infrastructure envelope. But maybe that's the case of Uber, right? Like when if Uber is really transforming itself into this company where they're going to have autonomous vehicles in the future, it's up to them to build the infrastructure to run their country. So why isn't Uber putting in CCS chargers in cities, in places? They have the data. They know where the mass of people are moving to and from every day. They have the data. So they know where they can put the chargers. They know how far their cars are driving and, and how many hours they're doing it. So they themselves will have to be the ones putting these charger infrastructures in and hopefully making them available to the public as well. Yes. I want to do wave power since we're waving. And I just find this interesting because, you know, we talk about solar, we talk about wind, uh, we talked a little bit about nuclear last week. Um, but wave power has always been something that, I've been fascinated by, like, the waves keep coming in all the time, and uh, we should be able to get power from them. Shouldn't well, we just be the surfers. Yeah, it shouldn't just be the surfers, and now I'm not one. But I used to love being on the waves. But 
there's a couple of articles here, and I'll just sort of summarize them. One's from Popular Mechanics. Another one is from Take Part. And it's basically a summary of the fact that the technology is moving forward here. And the reason that this could be a big player, maybe not a massive player like solar, is that particularly, I always thought of wave power as like the waves on the top, um, because uh, there's surely some way to capture all this energy of the waves. But it's really about tidal power, I think, was where the most interest is. So you put your propeller under the water where there's a lot of tidal shifts because those tidal shifts are occurring all the time, 24-7, whether there's sun out or whether there's no sun out. And there's a huge amount of energy that is generated as the moon is rotating around the earth and pulling this water in and out. And so in Scotland, they've got a couple of uh, 100 uh, kilowatt turbines that are moving. They're really developing this technology. They've even got it grid tight at this point. But it's not without issues because you can imagine having these big, massive propellers under the water and a whale goes by and smacks itself in the head with this thing. It's not good for the whale and it's not good for the propeller. But the point is that this is fascinating. There's lots to be uh, written about this. And the U.S. Department of Energy believes that it could power probably 30 million homes with not too much environmental impact if it uh, installed some of these underwater tidal power machines. Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you think about it, when wind power first started going up, so in the pass between Los Angeles and Palm Springs, there was this explosion of wind turbines and people were like up in arms that the birds were going to get shredded and it was going to kill eagles and condors and all these wonderful, majestic birds. And it hasn't really panned out to be such a terrible thing. The birds are actually considerably smarter, right? They were once dinosaurs and ruled the entire planet, and they managed to get by these things. And so I'm very confident that there's going to be uh, engineering and and great minds that are going to be able to construct these underwater turbines in such a way, put them in a cage, who knows what, put in some uh, sound emitters that keep the whales, say to the whales, don't come near, don't come near, we're sharp, go away. And uh, and as far as the wave power in Hawaii, that story, the first story, is this just, it looks like a big worm that sits in the water and it just floats up and down and it creates energy. And who's doing it? The Navy. So the military is actually one of the most progressive uh, developers of alternative energy. And damn, if it's good for them, I understand they have money to burn, but not that much. But if it's good for them and they can prove it, that's awesome. Then now I even feel that the military is doing an even more uh, beneficial job for the public service. Yeah, they're actually the military is very progressive because they understand that oil pipelines can be cut off and they want to deploy into an area and make their own energy so they spend quite a bit of money on that and that's a good thing gps came from the military that's and it helps all about like, as far as the navy is concerned with the wave power you know it helps them stay on on point like where they are without having to refuel and refueling is one of the most dangerous things of all the mil that the military does anywhere so if they can burn less diesel in their generators to produce electricity on their ships and they can just go to a station drop these things under uh, off the side of the boat and produce their own electricity that way then they can stay you know to protect us a little bit longer where they are and not have to worry about getting refueled which is always a good thing but the you know these things are not fraught with no problems because seawater as you know very corrosive and this is the problem with a lot of these things so eventually maybe we'll get them being built out of advanced plastics that are less susceptible to corrosion on the other side we may get a lot more 
better blue collar jobs of people having to maintain these things out there. And, you know, maybe that's that could be an, a shift in economy from, you know, utility workers working on land to utility workers maintaining these things offshore. But they're working in clean energy. Again, it's just a shifting of thinking. Plastics. Plastics, Plastics. is the future. <laughs> Before we go to a SpaceX article, I want to say that um, – a certain Donald Trump has been uh, very aggressive about saying, oh, these windmills and stuff, they kill birds. Not that he gives a crap, but that's what he says. Well, it turns out I read an article that said any tall building, like, I don't know, all of Donald Trump's buildings, uh, result in birds smashing into glass that they can't see properly and dying. And it's completely bogus. Windmills probably result in significantly less deaths than tall Donald Trump buildings. So there you have it. That was a political statement. Uh, wow. and, I, and I approved the message. SpaceX blew the hell up last month. And they've been trying to find out why it blew the hell up, and it appears that it was a breach in the oxygen tank and something to do with the helium cooling system where they take the oxygen and they cool it right down so it's more dense, and something got breached and it exploded. Um, I think that's all we know right now. But then there is some good news. There's something about the Raptor engine. What is the Raptor engine? The Raptor engine is the next generation of heavy lifting engine that SpaceX has been developing. You know, they use the Falcon engine. And the Merlin engine, they're essentially the same engine, but the Merlin is tweaked so that it'll work in the gravity-less space or the gravity-reduced space. That's what they put on their second stage. And in the first stage, they use nine uh, Falcon engines, really well, successful. Yes, there's been a couple of explosions, but hey, uh, it hasn't really been the engine's fault. And so uh, now they've developed and fired, and they did this last night. Elon was up late, like me, uh, sending out all kinds of tweets showing that the Raptor engine was firing last night. He was excited because there were these mock diamonds, which is some sort of a phenomenon that happens when you just pump out a blast of energy from the engine. But basically, they use this engine. It's a different type of engine. It uses methane. Did I say that right? Yes. Excellent. And so it uses cow farts with uh, compressed oxygen, and it's going to produce an extreme amount of thrust. It's a lot more efficient burning engine. Uh, I actually threw onto the show notes a picture of a person standing, fairly tall person, next to a uh, Falcon 9, the two different versions of Falcon 9, and then the expected uh, Raptor 9 or heavy lift engine, uh, sorry, heavy lift booster that SpaceX is planning, and they're expecting it to put out, uh, they're able to lift 150,000 to 200,000 kilograms into low Earth orbit, which would be the staging area and the sort of loading up spot for the Mars colonial transporter. So things are moving fast and they're moving forward. And wow, when they I would say that the, the only caveat I have is that watching the Falcon 9 blow up on the pad looked impressive. And I made the calculation they were like a mile away when they were filming it. And I could like imagine feeling the explosion. If they put this big bad boy up on the pad and it exploded, oh my God, there's going to be a crater, you a know, big crater. I'm kind of like, uh, would like to see that. I, I know too. it's like NASCAR. You don't you go to NASCAR because you're kind of waiting for the crash. You don't want anybody to die, but you'd like to see the crash. I don't want this to fail, but I'd really like to see how big a boom boom this would make if it explodes. Well, you know, if you were here in the studio and they were launching it at Vandenberg, you, we wouldn't actually have to go to Vandenberg. <laughs> we just hang out here and we'll probably hear it. We'll feel it. Okay, so uh, should we do letters? Let's do letters. Ready for letters? First letter is from David Sell, and uh, it's the subject line is Dirty Tesla. Mel, 
I know you don't like your Model X doors, and I don't blame you. They look like they're a serious pain in the bottom. But for the love of Elon, please wash your Model X. <laughs> I've never seen one so effing dirty. Even the Model X P90D uh, L owner here in Fillmore, who lives on a ranch and has dirty roads, has a cleaner X than you. I just want to say, David, um, look, we're, we're in a drought. I feel bad about washing my car. But if you want to see a really dirty Tesla, go check out the Twitter feed because I'm about to send it <laughs> out. It is the dirtiest Tesla you've ever seen. And it's my S. It is absolutely <laughs> filthy. How about filthy. using uh, one of those waterless washing products? I would love to find those people who do the water- waterless washing and say, okay, here's your test. See that filthy, disgusting S over there? Let's See invite if you clean them. that with a cup of water. Let's invite them to the studio. We'll bring our... our- Teslas out. We'll let them wash them. We'll see. We'll compare. Like, how does it look on a white Tesla, on a gray Tesla? We'll just. That's actually a genius idea. We should call them and say, look, we have lots of people listening. It'd be good advertising, but I want to see if you can clean my filthy, filthy car with one cup of water. It's, yeah. It would be impossible. And dip it out of the toilet when you give it to them. <laughs> the poor technician would be like crying in the fetal position when they got here. It'd just be terrible. Uh, Nathan Dwyer and a number of other people um, have sort of linked us to this article, which is about the U.S. Department of Transport has issued comprehensive guidelines on self-driving cars. So this is a very long but good read that obviously has lots of implications for the manufacturers themselves. So thank you for this. And then uh, Joel Sapp says, this was actually a big story. It was in the New York Mm -hmm. Times. And I really encourage people who are interested in autonomous driving to read what Basically, the federal government is behind autonomous driving without any hesitation. And this is really important to push either local governments or state governments to update their vehicle codes so we can move forward and have autonomous trucks. So we get them the F off the road so that I can drive during the day and not have to sit behind these belching trucks and uh, and make our roads safer. Yeah, the, the basic fundamental uh, concept behind this is that the federal government notes that there's about 40,000 people killed on U.S. roads per year. And uh, autonomous driving, we believe, is going to radically reduce that. And compare that with the number of people who are killed by terrorist events in the United States each year. You'd believe, listening to the news and uh, the amount of money we spend in invading foreign countries, that it is many hundreds of thousands. But it is between 5 and 20 people in the U.S. are killed by terrorists each year. How many seconds does it take to have that many people die on the road? It's... It, it, you can actually go on these websites that say seconds. that there are, you know, there is 50 times more people killed by clothing misadventures uh, than by terrorists. And, and that is to say that the number of people killed on the roads is an epidemic. It is horrible. And that's just killed. There are people who are gravely uh, injured every second. So autonomous vehicles are important for no other reason than for that if they work. And we hope that they do. Joel Sapp says, look... There's a lot of stuff that you could do with your Patreon idea. You could give us live video. We could do chat. We could feedback. Um, you could have something like uh, they do on ESPN, which is we do the show, and then the producer sits over there and watches the chat um, network, and then at the end says, and here are the 17 things that you said that which were completely stupid, which I think would be really fun, except the one downside to doing that is, is that, that we don't live- have a producer sitting here right now. We could get CC to come over. <laughs> Is that uh, it's more spontaneous we when just it's not on video to pay for all these things. And the most important thing is that we say some extraordinarily ridiculous, stupid, got to edit it out, or somebody's <laughs> gonna, you know, shoot us in the head stuff. 
And I really like that power. Like, I said, what? You can't say that. But there, <laughs> thanks to Joel and others, we are working on this Patreon idea hey, right now. it works now. for Donald Trump. Yeah. It's made, <laughs> my God. But uh, we'll see how the Patreon thing goes. Right now, I think we have $104 a month in uh, Patreon subscriptions. To all of those people that are doing that, that's great. For the rest of you, if you'd like more content, we can do it, but we're going to need more cash. Uh, Bill Olson sends in a letter and says, bigger batteries. And uh, I just want to summarize this. There was a few weeks ago a little fight. Mel saying, just because you've got a bigger battery doesn't mean your car goes faster. Well, so far, and I still believe that, so far we've had about twelve to 500 people say Tom was right. Bigger batteries does equal. people said Tom was right. And zero people have said Mel was right, but I'm still holding to my guns. So here's what I will tell you about that. This is the analogy that I have come up with about this. Me and Tesla Nation are now telling you two old bastards that the world (laughs) is round. And you are sitting going, no way, the world is flat. That's what's happening right now. That's cool. You guys continue on this path of disbelief, and the rest of us will just <laughs> enjoy the smartness. Actually, Tom, I'm going to read the first paragraph because it's exactly what I've been saying. It's not how big you are. It's how you use it. And he says, a bigger battery pack can mean faster excel- can mean faster acceleration, though the rest of the hardware has to be able to handle the power. And if you don't have a big enough fuse, if you don't have a big enough battery with enough windings in it, you're not going to get faster power. You could put a billion kilowatt hour battery in there. And if the pipe is not big enough, you're not going to go faster. You might go longer. I shouldn't say faster, quicker. My bad. You can't go quicker, but you could go longer. Whatever. World is flat, according to Robert and Mel. That's cool. (laughs) It's flat-ish. I see no evidence that it is round. It makes no sense to me. Seth uh, Ballstadigan. Seth Ballstad. Ballstad. Uh, he just he just threw in a bunch of letters to screw with you, Tom. Uh, he said, "Video podcast, uh, no. please." <laughs> so you said you have some videos. Can you separate out a video podcast uh, separately? I'm not sure what he means. We could video the show and we could put it up as a separate video podcast, or we could just do more videos. And again, this is all part of the. Uh, we could do an infinite amount of stuff, but there's going to be so many hours a day. And I don't know if we had some Patreon cash, maybe we could hire somebody to help us out with that. Paul Mills says, uh, Cameras on the X. So I took a picture of my X cameras and we tweeted it out. And Paul says, Mel, it looks like you've just got one camera and then you've got a sensor for your. Um, windshield wipers it's the same as his ford and i'm bummed i want three cameras but you don't even have two so you can't have three buy a new car sean mitchell says this uh thanks you three you are highly entertaining thank you mel's mostly the most entertaining and uh he (laughs) sent us this uh voice memo which is about driving a tesla for uber so let's insert that now what's up talking tesla gents this is sean mitchell Here in Denver, Colorado, I'm listening to episode 52. You just got done talking about Uber. And I thought I'd pause the podcast and uh, send you a voice memo because I drive a Model S and I'm actually driving for Uber right now. And I thought I'd give you some insight into what it's like. Uh, I would probably disagree with you that it cannot be a full-time job. I think uh, it can be a full-time job, and for many people – um, it's going to be just fine. I, I, I do this part-time 
between 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. Sometimes I go till 12, a little bit longer, if I know it's really, really busy. But I'm making between $20 and $30 an hour, not factoring in tips. So I think for most people, you know, 50 to 60 grand a year driving for Uber is great, especially in an electric car where you don't have to fuel up and you don't have oil changes. I think it's really, really fantastic. I actually started out driving for Uber uh, in February of this year with my Subaru Legacy, which which was great. I've done over, I think, over 2,000 trips. I may be coming up on 3,000 trips since February of this year. Of a five-star rating for driving, I've got a 4.96, so one of the highest in Denver, so Uber tells me. I love doing it. It's lots of fun, and uh, I try and do longer trips. That, that's that's the most profitable. Shorter trips are not, and I, I try and focus on uh, driving people to the airport and uh, build, building that uh, book of business as well, where I'm getting recurring recurring business from the same people going to the airport every week. So I, I hope that helps give some insight, and I'm more than happy to answer any other questions, especially about uh, driving Tesla for Uber. So thanks for all you guys do. Really appreciate the episodes, uh, the podcast, and look forward to it every Wednesday. In fact, I sort of wish you guys did it more. So I guess I'll have to put my money where my mouth is and start contributing on a monthly basis. Talk to you all soon. So there you go, Tom. There's a dude who is driving a Tesla, and he's doing it for Uber. And the economics, you're not going to become a billionaire out of it, but uh, he says he's, you know, you could make. 50 grand a year doing this. Our thing, I think, that uh, we were saying is that long-term, this is not a good solution because long-term, it's going to be autonomous and they are going to get rid of the drivers because the drivers are expensive. That was the point I wanted to make in the last few weeks. David Turner says this, 8.0 release. Um, Elon has tweeted that the, there's going to be sequential downloads and the release will be gradual. And we... We're not going to give it to fucking Mel. King Mel says one more thing about those Falcon Wing doors and we're going to come over and actually shoot him. So, yeah, we don't know how they uh, release this. You know, Robert lives down the street from me. He's got an older Tesla than I have. He's gotten his. I've got an X, which is brand new and lovely over there, and I don't get it. Tom may have it, but he's in Chicago. Who knows? So, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know how this works. I wish I could have it right now. But he does say one more thing, which is for Tom's next car, what about the e-golf rather than the Leaf. Tom, what do you think? I looked into it yesterday because I was reading this letter in preparation for the show. They do have some good deals. It looks like a pretty good-looking car. It's gotten some nice reviews, but aren't we mad at VW? Well, that like, actually brings... mad at them? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, Mel Herbert here. Just breaking in. Yeah, yeah, it is on Talking Tesla Bingo, so you can tick that box. Look, we had a bit of a situation, and I was going to edit it out, but I thought we would give you a flavor of what happens behind the scenes. You see, somebody came to the front door, and the dogs are going crazy, and then I get up from the chair, and then I rip out half the cords, and it just degenerates. This is just an aside, for what it's worth. See, now this is what people want to hear on Patreon. They want to hear the fuck, the trips, the fact that there's like one, two, three... Four, no one five, wants to hear six, this. Seven, eight, nine f***ing wires under my feet. You know, ten, eleven w- wires under my feet. In You're this an studio. ER doc, man. You're used to working in difficult situations, Robert. You should settle down. I can step around blood. I can step around organs that have fallen out. I can step around all kinds of ventilators because they beep and they're large. But these f***ing wires are constantly under my feet. 
And if I touch anything, the microphones go berserk, and Mel has a cow. So, ah! This studio has got to get fixed. It's a piece of... Hey, so Christopher Rotler says, F the Chevy Bolt. So he says he loves the show, and he loves uh, yelling electric. Keep it long. Keep it long. Well, it's long, all right. But he says this, and this is a pretty big statement. Uh, We were sort of talking about Chevy Volt versus uh, Model 3, and he said that there's a moral imperative to getting the Tesla rather than the Bolt because GM has been a bad player when it comes to electric vehicles. They're just bad people. So he says, shut the hell up, guys. Get a Model 3 and tell uh, GM to go shove it. So what do you think about that, along with the VW thing? What? Should we just get the car because it's the right car for our needs, or should we have a sort of a moral underpinning to which company we buy stuff from? Well, I don't want one car company making all the electric cars because I want innovation to come from several places, and I also want there to be, uh, you know, competition between these companies. And and different people like different things, and there's going to be some people who will just never buy a Tesla. They'll just kicking and screaming. Not to mention the fact that. Tesla's productions always, maybe not always, but for the foreseeable future, going to be more limited than some of these other car companies and its ability to get cars all over the world. So, no, we need GM. We need Volkswagen. I get all of that thing. But we also need them to make some minor adjustments to their things so their cars can be quick charging to support an infrastructure, all of those things. Like, Let's make it so they go all in and stop making compliance vehicles. Again, Volkswagen's making a compliance vehicle. GM is the Bolt at the end of the day just the world's best compliance vehicle? I think the answer is yes. I agree. There is some inflection point in which we all need to support electric vehicles of all kinds so that they they don't give up on them. I, I, I don't know if that really makes a difference. Maybe I'm just, you know, hallucinating again. But if... No bolts sell, GM will scrap it, and they will have this excuse, oh, nobody wants them. But I imagine the bolt probably doing well in places where people are buying their Chevy trucks. You know, maybe it's in the middle of the country, but it won't work as well in eco-conscious Los Angeles or San Francisco. I think the Tesla will by far eclipse the bolt. Plus, how many bolts are they actually making? Not very many. I think 30,000. 30, I think 30, some of it depends the on the success of it. That's the problem, right? They, they're planning on making maybe 30,000 of them. They have that capability to make 30,000. Some of it is the limitations of their battery partner being able to produce enough batteries. And their battery partner is LG, and they definitely have some limited production issues. But the question is, if they put out 30,000 of them and people buy them, but you start hearing, like, I got no place to charge it. I can't – you know, like, it, it doesn't take a whole lot – for people to kind of sour on them as opposed to for people to be like, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. And again, we weren't at the end of the show yesterday. We were trying to say, like, we don't want to just say bad, bad, bad things about the Bolt. We want to say for a lot of uses, the Bolt fits the bill. But there are a few minor tweaks they could make to make it fit a bigger bill. And that's all we're asking is is just it. I, and I don't know, maybe somebody from GM can tell us why. Why, why they can't just go that extra step farther? Again, they, it seems like they built a faster onboard charging, but why won't they support the infrastructure? Maybe they have – maybe there's some very sound information behind that, but we just haven't heard it yet. Since uh, 
transportation is responsible for about 20% or more of greenhouse gases. Thomas said it here on the show before. It's not going to be possible for Tesla to take a big chunk of uh, these cars off the road and build them themselves. We need GM. We need Ford. We need uh, Toyota. Everybody's got to be building lots of these things. So I think you need to get over it and just uh, buy the car that's good for you and support the cars that are good. Having said that, it's always Tesla. All right, let's finish this off. Brian Anderson says there is some uh, a lot of stuff that's happening with uh, the smart grid. He's actually got a, a neighbor that's involved with this. He's got a son who's a PhD that's involved with this. So he sent us a little note about uh, that, and we'll put it in the show notes. I, I think the most important thing of his, of his letter you missed. What's that? Quote, millions of talking Tesla fans. We shouldn't, you know, we struggle with this every week. Kilowatts, kilowatt hours, joules. British thermal units. Well, that's what I want to do this last um, letter, which is from one of my countrymen. It's John. Oh, John, I'm going to destroy your Greek name here. Papagolu. I should know that because there's a lot of friends in uh, Melbourne that are of Greek origin. But he's from Melbourne. And he says the reason, Mel, that you're confused is not just because you're an ignorant Australian, but it's because kilowatt hours and kilowatts is just basically intrinsically a stupid way to think about energy. And so he says that a watt is a conversion of one joule of energy per second, and a kilowatt is a conversion of a thousand joules of energy per second. And a kilowatt hour is one hour's duration of converting that energy out of a thousand joules per second, which is simply three 0.6 megajoules. And in fact, he says it would be way better if we used megajoules because then you could do some simple things like this. How much does it cost for me to buy natural gas to do a certain amount of uh, cooking versus how much would it cost if I used electricity? But this is sort of hidden by using different energy units. units right? And it's really confusing. And this kilowatt hour thing is just sort of a silly way of thinking about how much energy you've got stored. Do you, do you ever use Joule? In your jewels in your other life? Yes. Like when you're starting someone's heart? Yes. Yes. So we are familiar with jewels, but I think that it would be wonderful to sort of convert things. So I drive a Tesla 2013 Model S 306. That's 306 megajoules. Megajoules. MJ. And uh, he says regarding electric cars, 100 kilowatt hours is equivalent to about 360 megajoules, which is actually a quite a useful number. And a good yardstick um, is the range per megajoule. So then if I flip the page here, it turns out that the Bolt is actually a very efficient car in terms of electricity. It gets about 1.1 miles per megajoule, whereas the um, X, the P90D, only gets 0.77 miles per megajoule. So it's a much easier way to work out how efficient your car is using the uh, electricity that you pump into it. So the I bulk is should, pretty efficient. We should put this, uh, this table into the uh, show notes. Now you could, take Thanks, a little bit, you could take that a little bit farther and say if the X was completely loaded with people as opposed to the bolt being fully loaded with people, whether or not those sort of change in there. So there's efficiencies of moving people that are involved in that. But again, just like base efficiencies, clearly the bolt is more efficient, according to this chart, than any of the Tesla models. It is. And it's nice and long range. But if you look at the Mitsubishi IMEV, that was actually rated as being the highest miles per gallon equivalent as far as electric cars go. Yeah, and we've talked about before how the Leaf is also very efficient because it's light and it goes a fairly long way. Look, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's all we have time for for this week. But Elon Musk just tweeted out um, that tomorrow, which will 
be, you know, it'll already have happened, is that he's going to be talking about how he's going to make life uh, interplanetary. We will do a full report on that with audio next week. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been a very long talking test. Aren't they always very long? Uh, Tom is over there in the Chicago's, but is, is he going to come back next week and be with us in studio next week? Yes, sir. Thank you. Robert is here. He's lacerated himself, is exsanguinating from his finger over here, but he still did the show. That's how much he cares. And I swear I'm going to get rid of all of these fucking cords <laughs> by next week. Talking Tessa, out. Oh. Uh, bye-bye.